0: Listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. And it's a delight to have all of our mothers. It's also a delight to have any of you that are uh, a first-time guest. Oh, we know you could be anywhere this morning. The fact that you chose to be with us is something we don't take lightly. And so if you want to get more connected with our church, you want to know how to go from being guests to, to being a part of our family, there's a couple different ways you can do that. Uh, one, you can grab. No, you can't because there's no guest cards over there. Forget that. <laughs> so, let's see. Is there any other way that you can get connected? Nope, that's it. So, sorry. <laughs> um you can uh you can actually get on our website com, learn more about us there you can email me personally Jared, uh, that's J-A-R-E-D Jared at um, com, And uh, we would love to connect with you We'd love to get you more information And eventually get you plugged in Hopefully into a missional community Where uh, you really can uh, be treated like family And get to know the real Jesus In an even more personal way And so again, it's good to have everybody uh, with us We are continuing in our series That we have entitled The Real, I'm sorry, Jesus Revealed (laughs) My mind's gone Those guest cards threw me completely off um in the series what are we in jesus revealed there it is finding christ in the old testament and so um, if it's your first time with us we have just been walking through some some pretty popular stories in the old testament and showing you uh how they're not just feel good stories about you know try harder be better but they all point to jesus christ who is the good news for all of our life and today we come to joshua chapter one which really is one of my favorite uh, passages in all of the Bible. I was thinking today about whenever I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, you know, I didn't know anybody, didn't have a penny to my name, and, and uh, was scared moving into an unknown territory and came across this verse, and it so encouraged my soul and brought joy to my life, and I hope that it does the same for you this morning. So Joshua chapter 1, uh, we're going to start in verse 1, we're going to read down to verse 9, and then we'll flip over to uh, Joshua 5 and read verses 13 through verse 16. Joshua chapter one verse one It says After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, and to the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness in this Lebanon as far as the great river the river Euphrates all the land of the Hittites the great sea toward the Going down of the sun shall be your territory No, man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life just as I was with Moses So I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you be strong and courageous For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I'll just flip over one page, Joshua chapter 5, and verses 13 through 16. It says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes, and behold, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped and said to him, what does the Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals for from your feet for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I'm going to ask that we pray together one more time. You pray for me, if you will, as I pray for you. Father, I thank you for each person that is here this morning. I know that there is none of us who are here by accident, and I do pray that those who are here hear from you this morning. Father, none of us got up early. None of us came uh, just to go through the motions of this service. We need our lives changed. And I pray that during this time that you will do what only you can do with the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will take these words, that you will drive them into our hearts and transform our lives for our good and your glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This is a, uh, a safe place, I hope, so I want to see a show of hands. How many of you in here would say there's something in your life that, that you're afraid of, whether that be like the dentist, the dark? Uh, death, uh, some unimpending danger in the future. Okay, the majority of you, the rest of you, we know what you're afraid of. Is admitting that you're afraid of things, and so, um, but that's okay. I think it's really safe to say that that all of us in here at times have things that we're afraid of. I mean, if we can be honest, there are things that that at times we can tend to be anxious about and worry about because no matter how tough you are, or how old you may be, I mean, there are just times in our life we tend to be fearful. Uh, for my family. Uh, we have different things that we're afraid of. My wife, for example, is afraid of spiders. And so, um, you know, what that means for me is there will be times where I'll be in a different part of the house and, of course, doing holy things, you know, reading my Bible or praying, because <laughs> uh, that's what pastors do. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, I will hear this blood-curling scream coming from somewhere else in the house. And when we first got married, like, I would jump up because I thought, like, She was getting attacked by like an apex predator or something. I mean, it's like, it's it's just like, you know, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden you just hear like, whoo! Like it's, that's literally how she screams, by the way. like It's not an exaggeration. It's just like that. You will hear that. And now I I know what it is. I will just kind of, you know, nonchalantly walk in there and be like, where is it? And she'll be like, it's there, it's there, get it, get it, get it, get it. And sometimes it'll be like a piece of lint. And sometimes it really will be like just a little bitty tiny spider that it'll just be like, you know, thumb down on it. And then you go and you throw it in the toilet and flush it or whatever else, um, uh, for me, most of you know what I'm scared of. Uh, I'm scared of germs, right? I am a germaphobe. Yes, you can pray for me. I do have issues with it. Like I will carry hand sanitizer with me everywhere I go. So don't take offense if uh, we're out eating somewhere and like you're touching the bread and I'm like, uh, I don't want enough you touched it or whatever else. Like it's just, it's a fear of mine, you know, or if I go to a birthday party and, and you put candles on your kid's cake and you have your kid blow it out and you offer him a piece of cake, I won't eat it. You know, and, and some of you are like, well, "That's horrible, Jeremy. I want you to think about, like, you think I'm weird. Like, there's nowhere else in any other setting where we're like, "Would you please blow on my food before I eat it?" Like, we don't do that anywhere else, but we do it with cake, and it's it's kind of strange to me. Like, I I, I admit, like, I have a fear of germs. Um, for my daughter, she is terrified of storms, which you could imagine. This past weekend has been awesome for her right? like I don't know if you heard last night, but it was like the storms, I mean, the, the thunder and lightning. It was, it was crazy. And so um, even Saturday, I think I have a picture of it on here. I brought it because I can do that. <laughs> this, is, this is me with Nora. Um, she actually passed out because of fear of the storm. No, I'm just kidding. She... Uh, she, at 6 a.m., she's just bawling. She's crying because it's thundering. And, of course, she comes to the room, and eventually, as the storm dies down, she falls asleep on me. And I said, Megan, you got to snap this so we can hold it against her someday, you know, when she's a teenager or whatever else. So you can, you can take it off the screen. Uh, yeah, so Nora, she's, she's scared of storms. Um, my son, he, he'll be two on May 20th, and we don't really know what he's afraid of yet. I guess he's not old enough uh, to reveal that. But our prayer is that he will be as fearless as possible. In fact, that's why we named him... Wyatt, like we didn't just name him Wyatt because of Wyatt Earp. I mean that was certainly part of it I mean that makes sense, right? And so but we also named him Wyatt because Wyatt means warrior And if you walk into his room, um, in fact, I made a sign for him before he was born and it's actually a sign with this verse We just read joshua 1 9 because my hope for my son is that he will grow into a man full of life who is strong and Courageous and you see it's not just my hope for my son My hope for my family. I mean, it's a hope for my entire church family it's my hope for each of us because the reality is we cannot possibly live in fear and still walk in faith. And if we fail to walk in faith, what happens is, is we will miss out on the power and the presence of God in profound ways and therefore miss out on the very life God has called us to. You know, maybe for some of you this morning, I mean, you, you think about people who are create courageous, people who are strong, people of faith, and you look and you say, man, like that life honestly seems like a pipe dream to me. I mean, I would love to be that way, but, but man, when you look at my finances, I think about my family or my circumstances at work, like I look and I say, how in the world could I not be gripped by fear because of the stuff in my life? And you see, what I submit to you this morning, and this is not just preacher talk, what I submit to you this morning is it really is possible. To go through life knowing that no matter what you're facing or what situation you find yourself in, you can have courage in the midst of chaos. You can be brave even in the midst of the battles of life. And that's what we see right here in Joshua 1. Just to give you a little context, the people of Israel are in an emotional funk. Moses, their great leader the one who has led them out of slavery in Egypt, the one who has given them the Ten Commandments, the one who would intercede on their behalf before God, the one who's supposed to be leading them into the land flowing with milk and honey, a land God had promised them, a prosperous land. This man is now dead. And on top of that, the army, or there is an army that is standing between them and the land God has promised them, and this army is Humanly speaking, impossible for them to defeat. In fact, some historians I read this past week said that, that sending Israel up against the enemy army in Jericho would be like sending an infantry up against army tanks today. I mean, to say the least, Israel is a major underdog in this fight. They are discouraged, they are scared, and they are starting to wonder, will we ever inherit the land God has promised us? And despite all of this, we see Joshua... Standing there doing his thing one day and in verse 2 it says God comes to him and he says, Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people into the land that I am given to them, to the people of Israel. And so here is Joshua, right? I mean, with the people of Israel, I mean, they're discouraged, they're wondering what in the world they're going to do. And God comes to Joshua and he says, man, despite the fact that the odds are stacked against you, despite the fact that Moses has died and you have this massive army now in front of you, right, Joshua, the train is still rolling. So here's what I want you to do, Joshua, listen up. I know you're discouraged, I know you're scared, but it's time to get up and lead the people over into the land that I have promised them. And then three times, if you look, in verse 6 and verse 7 and verse 9, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. And again in verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Now if there was ever a time where we'd say, It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be worried and anxious. It would be this situation, would it not? I mean, Joshua's trying to lead 2.1 million Israelites into this new land against an army they can't defeat. And now he's a, a new leader, a brand new leader, like not just taking over a church of 50 people, like he's taking over this whole nation. I mean, you would look and say, yeah, that's that's a time and a place to be scared. But God comes to Joshua, and notice here, despite the fact that on the ground level, it looks like Joshua could be leading the people of Israel into a suicide mission, God doesn't suggest, notice he does not suggest, he commands Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now, we don't need to miss that this morning. Because there are some of you here who possibly you think that that courage... Is something that some people have and some people don't, right? Uh, we look and we think, man, some people are born brave and then there are some who aren't. Some of us believe that way, but when you look in the Bible, that's not what we see at all. In fact, you look in the Bible, what we see is that courage is something God commands all of us to take up. Uh, I'll give you just one example. There's a lot of places we can look, not just in the Old Testament but the New Testament, but Revelation 21.8, for example let me put it on the screen. This is a list in Revelation 21 8 of people. This is the mark, these sins are the marks of, of those who are non Christians, those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we look through this list and we say, okay, faithless. Makes sense. Of course, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Detestable, right? That sounds pretty gross. Of course, like that. They, yeah, I can see where they wouldn't inherit the kingdom of God. Murderers, yeah, we know murderers shouldn't be there. Sexually immoral, makes sense. Sorcerers, yeah, of course. Sorcerers are like witches and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, idolaters, liars, we all know. Liars, liars, pants on fires, right? We, we, we've heard that from the time we were, we were born. Like, yeah, surely, of course, those people should not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But what starts the list out? But as for the cowardly, they shall not inherit this kingdom. The cowardly. Now, now we look at this and we say, how in the world is this possible? I mean, how does this belong in, in, in a list with everything else? And right, I mean, this is something after all we all want, right? I mean, is there anybody in here that says, nope, I want to be a wimp. Nope, I want to live in anxiety and fear. Right? Everybody in here wants courage, right? Not just courage to do the crazy stuff. I mean, courage just to make it through the week, right? Courage just to... To, to, to do the right thing. Courage to trust God when nobody else is. Courage, right, to love our wife and our children. Well, courage, right, not to compromise on our convictions. Courage to trust God with our finances. Courage, right, to trust God with our future. And maybe for some of you, like, to this point in your life, you look and you say, like, man, I wish I could have it, but I don't think I can. However, what we see in Scripture is true biblical courage. You've got to listen to this. True biblical courage is not something simply for the spiritually elite. But true biblical courage is meant to be the mark of every single Christian. Being brave is not just for varsity Christians. Being brave is baseline Christianity. And we see that because it's something God commands for every single one of us. And maybe, again, you sit here and you think, well, why is being brave such a big deal to God? Right? What, what's the big deal with, with having fear in our life? I mean, yeah, I see that it's harmful, but I mean, really put in the same list of murderers, I mean, come on, God. Why is being a coward such a big deal? Because what we see is fear in our life will always lead to rebellion against God, which will then always lead us to experience death in one way, shape, or form. You say, well, where do we see that at in the Scripture? And when you understand the backstory of Israel, the reality is, according to Numbers chapter 13, verses through 14, Israel should have already been in the promised land 40 years earlier. They should have already been there. But why was Israel not in the promised land? Do you remember the story? God says, hey, you can have the land. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. But Israel, right, what they do is they send out 12 spies, 12 scouts to go scope out this new land. They come back and Joshua and Caleb, two of the 12 spies, says the land is beautiful and it's ours. We can have it now. And the other 10 say it is beautiful. It's exactly how God described it. But we can't go over there because if we do, those people are bigger than us and they will crush us. They'll kill us all. And the people of Israel were persuaded by the ten, and because of that, rather than moving forward in what God had already told them to do, they retreated in fear. And what was the result? Death. God said, because you have disobeyed me, because you were afraid that you would die when you would go over there, here's what's going to happen. Every single one of you that's 20 years old or older, except for Joshua and Caleb, you all die before you inherit the promised land. Seems like a harsh punishment, doesn't it? Until we realize that our fear, listen to me, our fears always flow from our hearts. And listen to me, if you want to know what your heart loves the dearest, you just need to look and see where does my fear run the deepest. That's how you can figure out what do you fear the most. That's how you know what you love the most. And I'll give you an example from my own life. When my wife and I moved into the house that we're in, we've been there for three years. When we first moved in, the landscape was horrendous. I mean it was literally like a jungle stuff was growing up over the sidewalks into the yard like I'm pretty sure wild animals lived in our landscape it was really really bad Um, and so what I did is I went and got a chain I hooked it up to a truck a buddy's truck and we began to just rip the stuff out and then I got Lloyd another guy from the church to come over and we tilled the the ground and, and, and we began to put new landscape in and we mulched it and now it looks way better than it did but here's what's interesting before I landscaped my house, kids could go play in the landscape, like my neighbors, you know, kids, whatever, and I didn't care at all. I really didn't. But now, now, if my kids or the neighbor's kids get in the landscape, like I can be sitting there and all of a sudden I see them, and I'm like, hey, 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 you're on the pansies. Off, right? Like, get out of the landscape. Are you crazy? Like, I can be talking to my neighbors i mean before like they could play hopscotch in it you know or i don't whatever kids play now i like, think they could, they could be playing landscape i didn't care but now i can be talking to my neighbors and and, and really not even be listening because i'm so distracted trying to make sure my kids or their kids don't get in and, and and trample over the landscape and why is that because the more we value something the more we worry about it if you drive a hoopty you really care if you get a scratch on your car You get a brand new truck, you park it five miles from the Walmart entrance. And I don't want to get one ding on it. The more we value something, the more we worry about it. And listen, the more we worry about something, the more it will control our lives. And I can give you a couple examples that will make the smiles go away for some of us. Kids. They are a gift from God. Amen? But if we value them more than God... We will begin to worry about them, and that worry will control our entire lives. It will control our mind. It will control our schedule. It will control our wallet. It will control literally everything about us. Our children will devastate us. They'll enslave us. Uh, Another example is our money. Again, money is not evil. Money is a gift from God. But if we try to make it more valuable than God, it will dominate our lives. And the more we love money, the more we will build our lives on it. And then whenever that money is threatened, right, it will make us worry. It will control us. And so what that means is rather than then spending our money the way God has called us to spend it, we will decide how we should spend it. Actually, it will tell us how to spend it. See, our fears are always tied to our hearts. It shows us what we really love. Forty years earlier, before this moment, right? God tells Israel, I am giving you this land that you have been longing for, so just move forward in faith. And yet, because Israel loved their comforts more than God, they said, you know God, no, that's too big of a risk. There's an army over there that could crush us, and so we're going to stay back. We're going to disobey you. We're going to do things our way rather than yours. And because of their rebellion, everyone over the age of 20, except for Joshua and Caleb, dies. But I'm not concerned so much about their sin. I'm concerned about your sin and my sin today. Some of you in here, you know what God has called you to do. You've been in church far too long to say you don't. You know exactly what God has called you to do, but you fear doing it because you know it means losing something. Let's be honest, you love more than Jesus. I don't know what that may be for you, your money, your reputation, your comfort, your control. Some of you, you are clinging to things you know God has said let go of. And what you need to hear is this, is no matter how hard you cling to this thing, in the end, I promise you, you will lose it. You really will. You can't hold on to it forever. And in the process of you desperately trying to clench your fist around this, what happens is you begin to say, I'm relying more on my plans and God's promises. And in the end, you're going to miss out on something far greater than the very thing that you were holding on to because you believe it's better than God. The truth is, God commands all of us to be strong and courageous. He gives us His word, He gives us His promises, and He says, I want you to move forward in faith. I don't want you to sit back paralyzed in fear because fear always leads to rebellion. Rebellion always leads to sin, and sin always leads to death. So, the question is this morning what we should all be asking ourselves is what is it that I fear? What do I fear right now in my life? That's a fair question. That's an important question we should probably answer. What do I fear the most in my life? I read a report this past week that said, you know what Americans fear more than anything else? Public speaking. Isn't that interesting? You know what's number two? Death. Which means some of you would rather be in the coffin than doing the eulogy for the guy in the coffin. Isn't that crazy? And maybe, I don't know, maybe for you, you don't fear public speaking. Like, that's not a big deal to you, but we all fear something. So what is it this morning? Is it failure? Is it rejection? Is it doctor's appointments? Is it it losing your kids, possibly? What is it you fear more than anything? Whatever it is, the good news this morning is you don't have to be paralyzed by that fear. No matter how overwhelming life gets, no matter how daunting the situation may be, you can be strong and courageous. And we see why even more clearly in chapter 5. So if you flip with me, this is where we're going to be coming in for a landing this morning. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Joshua... God says to Joshua, be strong, be courageous. So Joshua is acting on this. He is now moving the people of Israel closer to this land that God has promised them. They have crossed the Jordan River just as God had parted the Red Sea for Moses. He actually parts the Jordan River for Joshua and the Israelites to move over. And now what you've got to picture, put yourself in the situation. Joshua's on the brink of this land. God has promised them. And he's looking out over it. And I can't help but think that in this moment, Joshua is probably thinking back to himself what happened 40 years ago. He's looking out at this land and he's remembering the day whenever he went with Caleb and the other spies to scout out this land. He remembers coming back and saying, we can take it. It's ours. But he remembers all the other people saying, no, if we go over there, we will die. And Joshua's sitting there knowing, now I make the decision. At my command, we either move or we don't. All these people have thought we're going to die if we go in there. But God says we need to move forward. So he's sitting there. I have to believe he's thinking through all of this. And then look what happens. Verse 13. Verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes, and look, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And so this man is ready for battle. And Joshua went up to him and said to him, Are you for us, or are you for our adversaries? And so here Joshua's taking up his courage. Like, imagine, Joshua's probably 80 years old at this point, and here's this man, sword drawn in his hand, ready to do battle. And Joshua doesn't, like, get behind a rock and be like... Who are you? You know, like, what do you want from me? You know, like, like he he goes right up and gets in this guy's face. And he says to this man, are you for us or are you against us? He puts two and two together, right? The battle is about to begin. And listen, you need to decide which side you're on. If you're for us, I need to command you. But if you're against us, I'm going to kill you. Are you for us or are you against us? And how does the man respond? No. <laughs> that doesn't answer my question. Right? It's like this past, even yesterday, I think it was, yeah, yesterday morning, I'm sitting there with Nora, and I'm like, do you want a crunchy Bell Vita or a soft Bell Vita for breakfast? And she said, yes. It's like, that doesn't help me. Like, which one? Like, you know, like, that's what's going on here. Like, are you for us or are you against us? No. Wrong question. You see, what he goes on to say is, I am the commander of the army of the Lord, and now I have come. You see what he's saying? The question is not, am I for or against you? The question, Joshua, is are you for or against me? That's the question. And immediately whenever he asks this, Joshua realizes who he's talking to, and he hits the deck. He falls on his face, and it says... In verse 14, he falls on his face to the earth and he worshiped him and said, what does the Lord say to his servant? You see, in this moment, Joshua realizes the man he's talking to is not some ordinary man. But it's actually the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Some say, oh, it might be an angel. No, 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 no. Read your Bible. Anytime that someone tries to worship an angel in the Bible, the angel says, do not worship me, worship God. He created us both. Joshua knows he's talking to his Lord. And so he hits the deck and he begins to worship him. You think about just how amazing this picture is. Can you just put yourself in his place? I mean, here's Joshua about to lead all of these people into a battle that seems like a suicide mission. You think about pressure? Like, we don't know pressure like this. We really don't. And that pressure is mounting, and here he is, and all of a sudden he sees this man with his sword drawn, and he thinks, okay, here we go, the battle's about to begin, but the man says to Joshua what? Joshua, good news, this army is not your army, and therefore this battle is not your battle. The truth is, Joshua, this army is my army, this battle is my battle, which means if you will follow me, the victory is certain. And that's exactly what we see in Joshua 6. We don't have time to read it, but God comes through for Israel. They continue to trust him, and what does God do? He always does things differently than what we would think, because he wants to get the credit for it. He says to Israel, you want to take this army down, here's what you're going to do. Put down your weapons, pick up your trumpets, which I'm sure made them look really goofy, And he's like, and I just want you to march around those walls and blow those suckers. And when you do, the walls will come tumbling down. This army will be defeated. You will be able to to enter into this land. And then I will give you victory after victory after victory as long as you continue to trust me. It's an incredible story. And maybe you listen to it right now and you say, okay, well, that's great for Joshua. But what about me? How in the world can I have boldness and courage and strength today? How do I know that God is for me and that He will fight for me? How can I know? And here's how you can know. Because 1,400 years later, this same commander with a sword drawn in his hand would come to this earth and he would fall on his own sword for you and for me. He would come and he would live a perfect life that we could never live, fulfilling the righteous requirement of God. He would then go to the cross and he would die a death. We deserve to die for our sins. And then he would raise from the dead, proving that truly he is the resurrection and life. And then whenever he would ascend to go to be with the Father, he would send us his very Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.6 is not a spirit of fear, but of power. The same power, according to Paul in Romans 8, raised Jesus from the dead. You had the same power in you, That raised Christ from the dead. What do we have to fear? Honestly, throw me something out there, it will seem foolish compared to this power. We have it. We have everything that we need to live the life, to live out the mission God has called us to. It's great news, isn't it, this morning? Like, we, according to the Bible, because of our sin, are born objects of God's wrath. And Jesus came, and rather than using his sword against it against us, he used his sword for us. He came and he conquered the enemy. We could never conquer the enemy of sin, death, and hell. So that now we can all live as more than conquerors. We don't have to live timid. We don't have to live in fear. Guys, we are not on the defense anymore. We are on the advance. We are moving forward in faith. If we will just continue to trust the Lord, and I know like sometimes it feels like we're losing the battle. Sometimes it feels like everything is falling apart around you, but I promise you this morning, I don't know what battle you're facing, but God says you do not have to face it alone. You don't have to. If you believe that, that's the greatest news in the world. I don't know about you, man, but life gets hard for me sometimes. Maybe you guys are cruising. Maybe you're doing all right by yourself. I don't know. Some of you are looking at me like, is there any better news than that? Tell me something different, right? Like, I honestly don't know what's better than that. I mean, moms, you know what this means? Like, I I don't know about, you know, my wife's a stay-at-home mom. I don't know about you raising your kids. But there's sometimes, like, I come home to my house and it looks like a war zone in my house. right? And and my wife will look at me and she'll say, don't say anything. You have no idea (laughs) what has been going on here today. Raising kids is a joy, but it's a battle, right? No matter what point of life you were in. And listen, what Jesus says to you today is it doesn't have to be your battle. You don't have to do this by yourself. You don't. Isn't that great news? Some of you in here, you have been sinned against. You have been betrayed by someone you loved, and you're still holding on to that bitterness. You're still trying to fight that fight yourself. And today, Jesus says it's not your fight, it doesn't have to be your fight. Some of you in here, you're in a financial crisis. You're constantly wondering how you're going to pay your bills, how you're going to be obedient with what God has called you to. I mean, finances are constantly a struggle, 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 struggle. God says, you don't have to, to struggle. This is not your struggle. Ultimately, it's mine. Just trust me. Because like Joshua, what we need to do this morning is not try harder to be better. We simply need to go to Jesus with everything that we are and everything that we have and say, what does the Lord say of his servant? That's what we're called to do. What is it that you call me to do? Whatever it is, I'm going to trust you. Some of you this morning, you need to repent of trusting in your plans over God's promises. It's time today. Stop playing around. God knows what's going on in your life. I don't. He does. And today is the time to stop, to surrender your life to him. Then and only then will you have the courage and the confidence that no matter what comes your way, it will not crush you. I'm in front of a crowd I'm in front of a crowd of individuals this morning And Jesus looks at you And here's what he says The question is not Am I for or against you Of course I'm for you I went and died on the cross for you Before you ever did anything for me Of course I'm for you The question is not Am I for or against you The question is Are you for or against me Do you love me More than the things of the world Do you trust me More than you trust yourself Are you willing to surrender everything that you have to me Knowing that I can run your life better than you can Despite your degrees Despite how much street smarts you have I know better than you do The truth is Despite what some of you have probably heard in a church growing up You do not go to heaven because you pray a prayer That's sorcery I say these magic words, I get heaven It's not the way it works The reality is Jesus either comes as your commander Or he will not come at all If he is not your Lord He is not your Savior Some of you in here You don't want to go to hell And so you've given God your afterlife But you have not given him this life And I'm telling you You will not get him in the afterlife If you do not give him this life I'm not trying to be Mean-spirited like this is the most loving thing I can say to you today. Some of you are deceived Some of you are Clear Of what god has called you to do You know his commandments you know his promises and you are today living in active disobedience as if god's just totally okay with that You're saying god I will give you this but I am not going to give you that And if that's you this morning, listen, you're still trying to be the commander of your own life. And eventually one day the sword will fall down on you because you chose to go against him. If this is you this morning, here's the good news. You don't have to leave in shame, guilt, or fear. You don't have to leave and say, God, I've screwed up so much of my life that now I'm going to have to go do all this stuff just to try to get in God's good graces. No, you don't. Not at all Salvation does not come Through trying harder Salvation comes through complete surrender And this morning you can completely surrender to him And when you do When you trust him with your life You will experience the salvation And the freedom that will finally allow you To live with the courage and confidence No matter what battles you face In this life Let's pray together As our band comes forward, I'm going to ask that you will stand with me. Father, I do thank you for each person that is here this morning. I know that this can be a heavy message, but Father, I pray that it will not feel heavy for long. I pray that each person that is here today that knows in their heart that they have been giving themselves over to the things of the world that they have been trying to be the commander, that the day they will repent of that and that they will realize that they need to finally surrender everything to you. Jesus, we thank you that you are a perfect commander. We thank you that you are the only master in our life who will not enslave us and crush us, but will actually free us to experience the life we were created to experience. So I pray right now, Holy Spirit, right now, we ask that you will do what only you can do convict our hearts and set our eyes on Jesus, our hope, our rock, and our future. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.